0: Take your Bibles, please, and turn to James chapter 1 as we continue this study through the book of James. We're going to be dealing with verses 26 and 27 tonight, or this morning, Uh, James chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. While you're turning, let me ask you a question uh, about your religion. I want to know, I'd like for you to think about, is your religion superficial, or is it supernatural? We see both kinds in these two verses that we're dealing with this morning. Let me read it to you. It says, if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. Pure and undefiled religion before God and Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Let's pause for a moment and go to the Lord again in prayer. Father, again we come to you and we just thank you for your goodness. And we thank you, Lord, for your blessings. Thank you for your word. And we just ask, God, that you teach us from it. In Jesus' name, amen. I think these are serious times in which we live. I'm convinced with all the stuff that is going on in our world today, I believe one of three things is going to happen. There may be, number one, a complete breakdown of uh, our moral structure. Our world is just going to become increasingly more secular all of the time. Or number two, a tribulation period preceding the second coming of Jesus Christ will be swept into being. Or number three, God's going to send a great revival that will impact the entire world. Now, I don't know about you, but it seems to me that straws are in the wind that would indicate that God is about to do something. I'm praying for the revival. I'm praying that God would send a great revival that would stir our whole country And uh, from us sweep around the world where we'll see God doing amazing things in the lives of people. We who are born again believers in Jesus Christ need to believe or to be living in keeping with uh, the urgency and the emergency of the times in which we live. We need in our lives a reality, churches, our faith, a real religion, not a religion that is superficial, but a religion that is supernatural, that comes from a born-again relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. The two verses this morning that we're going to cover, and there are two points that we're going to deal with two major points number one the dangers of superficial religion and number two the delights of supernatural religion and uh, so let's look first and we find it in verse 26 the dangers of super uh, uh, superficial religion and uh, I think there are three dangers that we see in that verse 26, and the first one is this, is that it lacks reality. Notice what it says. If anyone thinks he is religious, or anyone who seems to be religious, some people today the Bible warned of, people that have a form of godliness, but deny the power thereof. They have... A name they have an ideal that they have in their brain and they try to live up to that but they just can't it doesn't matter I mean for some reason they're just not able to reach that height in which they are aiming the religion is only really an illusion it's not a reality nothing there's nothing worse In the world today, I believe, there's nothing, certainly not anything worse in the church today is a religion without reality, a religion that ought to be real and vibrant. It ought to be a no-so religion rather than a hope-so religion. It ought to be a uh, Christian, we ought to be Christians that uh, identify our lives with an exclamation point rather than with a question Mark, too many Christians today are doubting Christians rather than shouting Christians. They cannot say, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. They don't have that power. They don't have that conviction. They don't have that assurance in their relationship with God. We ought to know who we are. In Christ Jesus and what that means. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13 these things have I written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. As a matter of fact I think it would be a good study if you want to do something that will really bless your life turn to the not right now, but when you get home or sometime this week or next, take the book of First John and take a red ink pen and read through the book of First John. And every time you see the word no, K-N-O-W, not N-O, but K-N-O-W, every time you see that word no, draw a red circle around it. And that's okay to do that. Some people are afraid to write in their Bible. You should never be afraid to take notes and to highlight things in the Word of God. You ought to take this Bible and you ought to study it and you read it through and if it wears out, get you another one and start all over again. Amen? There's nothing wrong with writing in your Bible. Some people think it's sacrilegious, but it's not. Take a red pen and circle every time you see the word K-N-O-W, the word no, and pretty soon you'll Look at that book, and it'll look like a red polka-dotted dress. I mean, because you'll see it. No, 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 no. All over, it says, because we ought to know who we are in our relationship with God. Amen? Do you know? Do you know you know that you have eternal life? Yet, so many people in our churches today have a religion that lacks reality. They have no assurance. They have no confidence. Your spiritual birth ought to be as real to you as your physical birth. There was an evangelist back in the 1800s. Many of you have heard of him. His name was Dwight L. Moody. And somebody, he was a powerful evangelist, maybe one of the greatest evangelists that we've ever had. And uh, somebody came to Dwight L. Moody one time. They were going to write a magazine article about him. And they asked him, can you give us a resume of your life. And Dr. Moody said to him, my name is Dwight L. Moody. I was born the first time in 1837, and I was born the second time in 1856. My body is soon to die, but my spirit, born twice, is immortal and will never die. To Dwight L. Moody, his religion was real to him. It was... uh, it was powerful and he was full of assurance of his relationship with God. The problem with superficial religion today is that uh, so many times uh, it just lacks reality. Notice what James says, if anyone thinks he is religious, not knows, but if anyone thinks He is religious. It lacks a reality. Number two, it lacks restraint. Notice what it says. If anyone uh, thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, if you cannot control your own tongue, if you're really born again, it will make a difference in the way that you speak. Did you know that? It'll have a it'll change your speech patterns when you come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, James has a lot of things to say about the tongue, and when we get into chapter 2, he's got some powerful things to say about the tongue. But one of the prime indications that a person is born again is his speech patterns. If you are genuinely saved, You'll be praising God and witnessing, uh, being a witness to his grace. Superficial religion is a religion that criticizes and curses and lies about their relationship with God. I've been a pastor for 46 years, and I've known a lot of people who with a little two-inch tongue have done more damage to the church than a wrecking crew, yet they claim To be saved, folks, you need to hear me this morning. There's nothing more dangerous to the cause of Christ than those people who think they're religious but can't bridle their tongue. Many of us know people like that. I was in a church one time, and this lady who, and we all know people like this, and she... She's always wagging her tongue. She's always having something to say about something, complaining. And the Lord convicted her of it. And she came forward one Sunday morning and she said, Pastor, God has convicted me. I want to lay my tongue on the altar. And I said, well, it's only 24 feet long, but go ahead and try it if you want to we got to watch what we say. Boy, sometimes we can be so damaging. A word is easily spoken, but it's almost impossible to unspeak it. We need to... It's not me. James is saying here, through the leadership of the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, he says, if you say you are religious and can't bridle your tongue, you are deceiving your own self. boy, James warns against it he says he says he, he he's a pretty outspoken, pretty blunt pastor, and he says, if you call yourself religious and you can't bridle your tongue, your religion is useless. it's vain. it means nothing. many of us get that get find ourselves in situations when we just wish we could we hadn't said what we said but out of the abundance of your heart the mouth speaketh the bible says james is uh telling us we need to be careful about what we say the tongue is not the only area of our life that needs to be restrained there are all kinds of areas in our lives that we need to have restraint, but he's using this example, but he's talking about everything in our lives. We need to know how to restrain. If we have a genuine relationship with God, we know what restraint is. If we don't, then our religion is vain and it's superficial. He's talking about uh, a religion that lacks reality and lacks restraint. And the third thing that it lacks is that it lacks results. He says you deceive your own heart, and, and notice what it says. He says this one's religion is useless, or it could be it's vain or fruitless. It lacks a result. A lot of people think there's value in just religion itself. Some people say that what we need in the world today is more religion. Well, listen, unless your religion links you or connects you with the living God and that linking results in your life becoming more like Christ, that religion is vain. It's useless. It has no results. When Jesus comes to live within your heart, he makes a difference. Your religion is an outward expression of your inward condition. What you, how you live your life on the outside reflects of what you are on the inside. And if there's no difference, Jesus is not inside you. He's not in your heart. And your religion is superficial. And James says that it's useless. You know what the worst thing about superficial religion is that many times those that have it don't know that they have it. They think that everything's just hunky-dory. They think everything is going on fine. They deceive their own hearts. They go to church. They sing in the choir. They serve on committees. They pay their tithe, but they're lost, and there's no power in their relationship with God. And one day they're going to stand before a holy God and he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. They know something is wrong. They know that things aren't right in their relationship with God. But because there's no real power, there's no real joy, they just don't want to make any difference, any changes in their lives. Let me tell you what it is. It's either you're lost or you're backslidden so far that you seem to be lost. Their religion is superficial. There's no reality. There's no restraint. And there's no results. Those are the dangers of a superficial religion. Second point. And it's got three points under it as well. The delights of a supernatural religion. We see that in verse 27. See, now what... What James is doing is is he's given a compare and contrast. In verse 26, he's talking about a superficial religion. And in verse 27, he's talking about a supernatural religion. He says, pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. What is a supernatural religion? By that I mean a genuine religion, a real religion. And uh, there are three dimensions of it. The first one is a real religion, a supernatural religion. It reaches upward. It reaches upward. Notice there where he says it's called God the Father. The only way we can call God the Father is through a, a saving relationship by faith in Jesus Christ. Contrary to popular opinion, did you know that God is not everybody's father? There's this this thought going around about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal uh, uh, brotherhood of man, and that's a wonderful... It sounds great, but the only problem is is that it's not substantiated by anything in Holy Scripture. There's nothing in the Bible that talks about the universal fatherhood of God and the universal brotherhood of man. God is father only to those who are born again. Amen? To those who have a supernatural relationship with him through his son, Jesus Christ. Remember what Jesus said to the Pharisee in John eight forty four. And by the way, you know who the Pharisees were. They were leaders of the religion of that day they were religious people and religious leaders and jesus said to them you are of your father the devil and his lusts you want to do again in john chapter one and verse 12 he says for as many as received him, talking about going to his home and those that were his uh neighbors they received him not he went to his own and his own received he not. But he says for the as many as receive him to them. For what? For as many as received him. For those who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. To them gave he the right to become the children of God. <clears throat> Back over in James chapter 1 and verse 18. James writes this talking about the new birth he said of his own will he brought us forth by the word of truth that we might become kinds of first fruits of his creatures what he's saying there what he's talking about uh, there is being begotten of God being born of not corruptible seeds but incorruptible that's when God becomes our father he's, he's everybody's God I mean, he's God to everybody, but he only becomes your father through a supernatural rebirth, being born again by faith in his son, Jesus Christ. And folks, listen to me, what a delight. We're talking about the delights of the supernatural uh, religion. Folks, what a delight it is to be able to call the creator God of all the universe, Father. And we can do that. He reaches upward. Supernatural religion reaches upward to the Father. It also reaches outward. It says that we are to visit the orphans and the widows in their trouble. When a man has real religion, when a man has supernatural religion, it will create in him a heart of compassion that will compel him to reach out to those that are in distress. Now understand this. Please do. That James is not just talking. About orphans. And widows. Again he's using an example. If we are genuinely. Born again. There will be. An innate. Compassion. And desire. To help those. Who are in need. People all around us. Are. In need, and we as brothers and sisters, believers in Jesus Christ, it's God's calling upon us to minister to those that are in need. He has equipped us to minister, and sometimes, sometimes, I know what it's like. Sometimes I think I can't do it, sometimes I think it's too much, sometimes I feel inadequate. But what a delight it is. What a delight it is to know it's not dependent upon my abilities. It's not dependent upon my strength. If my religion is genuine, there is a supernatural relationship with the living God. His Holy Spirit is living within me and he enables me to uh, minister to those that are in need. And I'm so grateful for that the delights of a supernatural religion is number one that it reaches upward and number two that it reaches outward but I think the greatest thing the greatest delight of a supernatural religion is that it reaches inward he says to keep oneself unspotted from the world And it says the world there, it's not talking about the earth, it's not talking about mankind, it's talking about that ungodly value system that the Bible calls the world. It is the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. And the Bible says, if any man love the world, the love of God is not in him. He says, if you are a friend of the world, you are in enmity with God. That doesn't mean we can't love people. Certainly we're to love. Matter of fact, he says if we don't love one another, his truth is not in us. We certainly are supposed It's talking about that ungodly value system that the Bible calls the world. And he says, he says that we're to keep ourselves unspotted from the world. Now what does that mean? What does it mean to keep us ourselves unspotted from the world? He's not talking about totally immersion in the world. He's not talking about a love affair with the world. He's not talking about totally committed, turn your back on God and commit yourself to living in the world. That's not what he's saying. He's saying keep yourself unspotted from the world. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you have never given in to temptation? How many of you have never made what we call a mistake? How many of you have never yielded to the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and, and the pride of life? Has there, is there anyone here that has never done that? How do we keep ourselves unspotted from the world, let me tell you. <laughs> oh, this is the greatest delight of all because if we have a supernatural relationship with God, if we allow Jesus to come and reign in our lives, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives within us. And you know what the job of the Holy Spirit is? It's to convict of sin and righteousness and, and life. That's what, that's what the Holy Spirit... And what the Holy Spirit does is lets us know when we've sinned. He lets us know when there's that spot that comes on our heart and upon our being. And He makes us aware of the fact that we have fallen short of the glory of God. And do you know what the Bible teaches? This is the delight of a supernatural relationship with God. He says, if you confess your sin, God is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So when I do make that bad judgment, when I do make those mistakes, when I do give in to that temptation, the Holy Spirit makes me aware of that And if I confess that sin before God, oh, yes, Lord, I know I've done wrong. Lord, please forgive me. The Bible says that he is faithful and just to forgive us of that sin and not only forgive us of that sin, but to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Though I be stained red like crimson, yet I'll be white as snow. I'll ask God's forgiveness. I'll plead to him. I'll confess my shortcomings and my failure. And he is faithful and just to cleanse me from all unrighteousness that I might stand before a holy God unspotted by the world. Ah! What a delight it is to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So let me ask you the question that I started this message with. Is your religion superficial or is it supernatural? You know the difference? Between having a superficial religion. Do you know the dangers of a superficial religion? It lacks reality. What's the other one? It lacks what? Go back, go back. It lacks reality. No, the other one. The dangers... You got it wrong there. There, it lacks reality. It lacks restraint. And it lacks results. That's superficial. Or do you know the delights of a supernatural religion that reaches upward, that reaches outward, and that reaches inward? where we examine our own lives and come before a holy God and ask for his forgiveness and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness so that I can stand here this morning as you are able to also. We can stand together before a holy God unspotted by the the delights of a supernatural religion. Amen? That's what I want. That's what I want. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for today. I Thank you, God, for James. I thank you, Lord, for this book that he wrote. I thank you, God, for the truths that he brings to light. And Lord, I ask you God to help us this morning take his word and help us discern whether our religion is superficial or if we have a relationship that's supernatural. And in that, we have forgiveness of our sin, and we have an open door to come into your presence. Lord, teach us this morning, in Jesus' name, amen, amen.